Hi, my name is Claudia Fleming. I'm the author of Delectable, my newest cookbook. And something you might not know about me is that I'm an avid sports fan. I watch it morning, noon, and night. Baseball, football, basketball. I'm the biggest tennis fan, though. That I have on always. I'm Jesse Sparks, and this is The One Recipe, a podcast that talks to wonderful chefs and home cooks about one huge question. What is their one? The recipe that stands the test of time. And I'm not talking days here. I mean decades. This week, it's a pastry party with Claudia Fleming. Claudia is the author of the foundational 2001 pastry cookbook, The Last Course, which became an immediate cult classic. Now, nearly 21 years later, Claudia is back with a second book, Delectable, Sweet and Savory Baking, in which she reminds us to brush off those dusty fundamentals, put away the fancy tools, and get back to just enjoying baking at its simplest. Hey, Claudia, it's great to chat with you. Hey, Jesse, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. A lot has happened since you first published your first book in 2001, The Last Course. How has it been? What have you been up to? What's been on your plate? Wow. It seems like a lifetime ago, 2000. Um, what have I been up to? I Well, after the first book, um, married, moved out of New York, had a bed and breakfast and a fine dining restaurant, sold it, and I'm back. How's that? For quick. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> so after all of that, when did you know that it was time to work on another book? When did you feel ready? When I sold the restaurant. Was it immediate or was it just like, oh, oh pretty I... much. Yeah, kind of just like that. It's like, you know, you're running, running, running for so many years and so busy that there's not really a lot of brain space to do much else. And then it was full stop. Oh, yeah. I looked around and it was February of 2020. So then about two weeks later, the pandemic hit and I was busy for the next 18 months. So I'm so curious, as you were kind of going through the process of unearthing old recipes, going back and looking over classic recipes that you may have already developed, were there any that immediately stuck out to you as as ones that really felt like yours? Well, forever and always, the chocolate caramel tart. And, um, oh gosh, many of them, donuts stand out, cookies and the crostadas and really the... The much homier, simpler things seemed to be really satisfying and gratifying. Cooking at home is so very different than cooking in a restaurant. It feels more like puttering and there's time and space to do what you feel like doing as opposed to this working with the constraints of a restaurant whereby there's a style that you have to adhere to and, you know, a menu that needs to be a particular way and have a particular kind of voice and progression and development. Being at home just meant, I feel like I want pretzels. So let's make pretzels. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, I love that so much. Giving yourself the freedom to go from, okay, every dessert that I, I offer up or that I serve has to have three components or it needs to check all these boxes. Exactly. And yep. now you're just kind of saying, what am I in the mood for? That's you know, what's at the farmer's market? That's how it was born. That's exactly what happened. So, you know, you have been going back over all of these recipes, revisiting old ones, revisiting classics, and also just developing new ones along the way. Has there been a singular recipe that's really stood out to you that really feels like it captures the home baker that you've become? Well, there are many, but I would have to say the one that is closest to my heart is probably the fruit crustatas. And they have seasons. So, you know, whatever is peak at the moment of, you know, particular time of year is my go-to dessert, I would say, for, you know, going to dinner parties or having people over or what have you. Anytime I need a dessert for something, it's pretty much my go-to or even an appetizer, quite frankly, because they can go from sweet to savory or actually from savory to sweet. And I love, love, love making pie doughs. As I mentioned before, they're just so seasonally adaptable. So it's kind of making the same thing all the time, but it's not because the fruits are always changing and the seasoning on it can change and the you know, cream or ice cream accompaniment can change. So even though it's kind of doing the same thing all the time, it's not. Oh, absolutely not. That definitely qualifies as like doing your own brand new thing each time around. Exactly. So for people who may be at home and are struggling to kind of wrap their heads around what a croissant looks like, can you kind of describe it for them? Yes. It's one of the reasons why I love it is that it's very forgiving. It's a big round piece of dough and you pile the fruit in the middle and then you sort of lift and pinch and fold the dough And you have a rather free form, very crispy, never soggy, which is the wonderful thing about crostatas, buttery, crispy dough encasing juicy, delicious fruit. Ooh, I love that so much. So for people who are kind of looking for a visual comparison, sometimes think like a slightly taller, more rustic galette. You know, not necessarily as delicate, but definitely leans into just having more fun. Yeah. So can you kind of walk me through your recipe and the interventions you made to make it really feel special? Well, let's see. It's obviously making your own pie dough, um, which is one of my favorite things to make because I love flaky and buttery. And I guess the interest comes with different fruits. For instance, now, It's apple season, and I love to make the crostata kind of a little savory and sweet. So it's got a bacon-maple mix in it. So, you know, and oh, and an alternative to that, there is a crostata with a cheddar crust, a cheddar pie dough that also pairs beautifully with the apples. And of course, springtime is just, you know, for me, it's rhubarb, which is the harbinger of spring. And it's always such a wonderful change from all the fall and winter fruits. Although I'm getting ahead, I'm getting ahead. I'm still I'm still very much into apples and pears right now. But as I said, it just adapts to seasons so beautifully. 
So you have already teased us with all these iterations. You've talked us through how easy and simple it can be, but can you tell us how you actually make it? Because I think a lot of people are actually really intimidated by pie crusts and anything that might resemble it. Sure. Um, But let me first say that doing anything the first time, one shouldn't expect perfection. Making pie crust is like anything else in life. With practice, it just gets better. So even though it's very simple, it might not be perfect. And that's so okay. It's just part of a process of getting better. And really the point of the whole thing is to make your friends and your family happy. And everyone is always so appreciative, having said that. One of the methods I use to try to help simplify things is a food processor. I also freeze the butter. So I would dice the butter in about half to quarter inch cubes, freeze it for about 15 minutes. And while the butter is freezing, put your flour, salt, and a tablespoon or two of sugar in your food processor. And then once you're butter is very firm and cold. You put it in your food processor. Use the pulse function. Don't ever use the process function because it's so powerful. It goes too quickly and the butter gets too finely broken down. So pulse, pulse, pulse until you have kind of, you know, lima bean size pieces of butter. And I prefer to take the dry ingredients out of the food processor because it is so powerful. I'm always concerned that it's going to over-process. So after I've cut the butter in, I'll put it in a bowl and then pour the ice water over it and just mix it with a fork until it's, we refer to it as, as like kind of a ropey texture or yeah, it's kind of ropey. The dough looks not very beautiful. And then you turn it out onto your countertop on a piece of parchment paper, preferably, and then gather, you know, put your hands under the parchment and then gather the dough together and then just, you know, fold that up and let it rest for about an hour in the refrigerator. And while it's resting, you would uh, slice your fruit sugar it to get some macerated, we refer to that as, so it releases all its juices. And then use a thickener, which can be either flour or cornstarch. I prefer cornstarch because when it boils, when the fruit boils and the juices boil, you get a clear juice as opposed to flour, which is usually a cloudy juice. I just prefer the look. And then you would pile your fruit all in the middle, spread it out to about a 12-inch circumference, your fruit, and then you would brush the egg wash on that two-inch border, take the dough from underneath, pinch it, and fold it. And you do that going all around the tart. And then once you're all pleated, I I refer to it as pleating the dough, you brush the outside with the egg wash again, and then sprinkle it with some sugar. Uh, I like to use sugar in the raw. Chill it again for about another 15 minutes and bake. So what's in your egg wash? It's very simply one whole egg and a tablespoon of ice water whisked together. And what temperature are we baking at? Well, it starts at 400 degrees to set the dough to give it a nice Mm -hmm. crisp base. 
and give it some color. And then we reduce to 350 or 375. Make sure you know your oven. We should all have a thermometer in our oven so that we know that the temperature that the dial reads is the same as the temperature inside because oftentimes it's not. One of the ABC, <laughs> one of the true. ABCs of baking, an oven thermometer. So yeah, it starts out at 15 minutes for 400 degrees and then down to 350 for the rest of the remaining time, which is usually about another 40 minutes until the juices are bubbly and thick. Uh, everything is like, has the sheen, like it's aromatic. You're ready mm-hmm. to just dig in right then. And all golden. Oh, it's beautiful. You recommended that people actually make the pie dough on parchment paper. Can you tell people what that kind of does and what that saves them from? Yes. Putting pie dough on the parchment paper allows you, A, not to get your countertop a mess, but it also gives you the ability when you're rolling out your pie dough, should it get too soft, you can just whisk it into the refrigerator to firm it up again. Beginning bakers tend to roll dough out a little more slowly than those of us with a bit more experience. And so sometimes you'll start to see or feel the butter getting a little too soft. And if that happens, you can just pick up your parchment paper, put it on a plate or put it on a, a, a baking sheet and put it back in the refrigerator to chill it down again so it doesn't get too soft. Oh my gosh, you are preaching to the choir. And by the choir, I mean me, um, as someone with like notoriously hot hands. Choir of one. <laughs> choir of one. Um, not a great, you know, performance, but um, warm hearted and handed. So, <laughs> Claudia, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank it's been a you. lot of fun chatting with you and just picking your brain. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Jesse. Claudia Fleming is the author of the cookbook, Delectable, Sweet and Savory Baking. You can find the recipe for her peach and raspberry crostata on Instagram at the.one.recipe and at theonerecipe.org. This week's episode was made for you by producer Erica Romero, associate producer Ren Farrell, technical director Alex Simpson, and digital producer James Napoli. Sally Switch is our managing producer. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffer, and Joanne Griffith. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The One Recipe was created by Sally Swift and Erica Romero. I'm Jesse Sparks. This is APM Studios. Go make some magic.